Hello and welcome to the Nature of Loss podcast. My name is Molly and today we'll be talking with Charlotte. So Charlotte, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Okay, uh, my name is Charlotte. I live in Reading at the minute. Uh, The reason I felt drawn to do this, um, I work with young people in nature and a couple of years ago I spoke at a conference. Um, It was uh, young people in nature Um, It was down in Brighton and I did a section about how I thought it was absolutely crucial that we are engaging our young people with nature. It's time to stop excuses. It's time to stop, you know, looking for reasons. And as, you know, as a population globally, we need to get our young people outside and reconnect. And afterwards, so I told a story of why and how nature had helped me And afterwards, someone said to me, I think you could really help people around grief and using nature and kind of finding solace and finding healing in nature um, following grief. And I thought, huh, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but it's kind of been on a back shelf in my mind. And I saw your message and I thought, oh, I definitely like to get involved. Um, So I grew up on a farm in Zambia, which is in Central Africa. And I lived there with my parents and all the people who worked on the farm um, until I went to boarding school when I was 11, which is also in Zambia, kind of in the middle of the bush. It was a startup school. So there were 25 of us that were pioneers and it was in, in the most beautiful, beautiful place. And then I finished studying there and I came over to Germany first and then to the UK and did my A-levels over here. And I went to university over here. Um, I trained as a teacher here. And I worked in mainstream schools uh, for over a decade. And then after I had my own children, I I felt more drawn to do what my heart was telling me I needed to do. And that was to stop fighting against a system that was making it harder for me to take children outside in the classroom and to actually retrain so that it was my job. and I got into forest school. I did my forest school leader training and then I did my outdoor leader trainer, like training other outdoor leaders. I run outdoor play groups and trying to set up lots of local projects to reconnect. I've also got a group I work with um, elderly as well, again, kind of for company and reducing isolation and creating friendships um, using a nature reserve, which I know is kind of gaining momentum there's a lot more of them which is fantastic Um, but looking now at uh, spreading that to young parents so people looking at starting up a family you know kind of getting it in there really early that nature is kind of crucial for your own mental health as well as your children's. That sounds amazing especially your growing up story and it, um, it seems like you've got quite a good mix of a professional and personal story in there so thank you for sharing that so my next question is what is your personal relationship with nature when i was looking at prepping for this i realized we're talking about grief and bereavement and i automatically turned to like death you know because that's what we think of when we think of grief and bereavement initially but actually i grew up on a farm so If you grow up on a farm, there's death all around you all the time if you're raising animals for food. 
you know it's hard those animals have to die to feed other people um i'm a vegetarian now for you know the last few years and i think that's been a long journey to this point i think children have a different view on death um i know from my own experience uh the aids epidemic hit zambia in the early 80s i was young so i was um probably nine eight nine and i remember uh, being a child people we knew suddenly had sick people in their family and suddenly people started dying and there was a huge sense of fear huge 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 as you know this virus that was killing people globally that kind of arrived where we were and there was huge fear there was huge fear about practices you know in terms of you know inoculations had it been safe enough had you know the had it been transmitted to lots of people because it wasn't fully understood um and i mean in 1985 there was 1518 people were kind of diagnosed in the area that i grew up in you know um, this year it's 111,753 this like two years ago so it it hasn't gone away either kind of it's part it's still part of life there but that was kind of the starting point and as a young child with that kind of happening around you it was a kind of communal grief um, and bereavement so it hit the whole community it hit everyone we knew personally um, we had so Africa is quite different to here. Um, a lot, there's a lot more death, I would say, and there's a lot more, I guess, bereavement and grief. It happened a lot more. But personally, my first real kind of bereavement was we lost. Uh, we had an amazing man who worked for my parents called Duncan. He was our, he used to drive me to school every morning because they, they were working on the farm. My mum worked in town, they had different jobs. Um, so we had someone who helped and I didn't realise how much of an attachment um, I played with his children. You know, I, I was in their home. He was in our home. You know, we kind of, we were a community and I think Duncan was my first real loss um, personally when I was just 12. And then the following year, my dad died. And then when I was 15, my grandmother died. Um, but she was further away. She was in the UK. Um, she used to come out to Zambia and spend the winters with us. So she would come over when it was nice and warm there um, and starting to get cold here. Um, and then she'd come back when the weather was warmer. So I got kind of blocks of time with her. And when she died, it didn't really feel like she died because she used to come for a block of time and then go back. So it took quite a long time to accept that, you know, she had died. And it was only when I came over to study, I, I had that, oh, I wish she was still alive. You know, this would have been an amazing time to spend time with her. Um, but it, yeah, it was too late by that point. Um, and then when I was 24, uh, when I went to boarding school and I was 11, on the first day, I made friends um, with a girl called Steph and we became best friends and we kind of lived in each other's pockets for years afterwards and she was her family were like my family and my family were like her family um and yeah and that was a a huge shock really um and yeah kind of life-changing I would say in terms of how I viewed grief um yeah but with all of those nature and animals 
kind of played a really huge part. Um, when my dad died, I went back to boarding school um, and we had freedom, we could just go off. And so I think I kind of self counseled myself through lose, losing my dad by spending time with my friends, playing, you know, even as a young teenager, playing outside in nature, exploring, um, and just having time to kind of process, yeah, process losing him. Um, and then when Steph died, I, um, so the thing that we had in common was our love of horses. And I had, um, I decided to get a horse on loan um, just before. And I was so glad I did because again, I was able to process her death to an extent by spending time with Polly and going out riding with a friend. Um, it worked out as a kind of cheaper way of riding because um, it is really, really expensive. Um, so yeah, I'd used to spend hours up there and she, yeah, she was my counselor basically. So when she died, that was again, it was like a kind of, it's loss of a friend, but also loss of a counselor and loss of kind of my rock. So yeah, nature and animals are just, you know, we're, we're so tied together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was, it's, that's quite a story, isn't it? I'm going from your the wider picture of grief as well, being where you were and having that epidemic. And, and I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned it's still happening, but then you, you have your personal connections. But also, I mean, growing up in that environment must have been stressful in, the, in a way that you, you maybe didn't quite clasp onto until you're a bit older, maybe. And it sounds like your personal bereavements as well have, have been big, but I'm glad that nature and, and animals have been there for you as, yeah. as they have as well. <laughs> so we had a little bit of technical difficulty there, but we'll get back on track. And I will start off by asking what your favourite animal species are to spend time with. And I was just saying, I find it really hard to choose just one because it depends where you are, who you're with what the weather's like, um, what you're doing. I love birds because you can do that from home. I've got a sit spot in the garden that I spend, try and spend five minutes every day sitting in and just watching my garden change and seeing we've got, got a robin that will eat out of your hand. Um, and we don't have very exciting birds. I think I was saying our neighbors have got much more exciting birds. You know, they do their own calendar. Um, and that's where the squirrel in the background came from. But you know we love we know our little birds um and we've got a couple of squirrels that come into the garden as well a couple of little wood mice as well so yeah that's really great um i love bugs i really love bugs and i work i think because if you work with children they get so excited about insects and bugs and yeah when you turn over logs in the woods and you know what insect is it what's it called how many legs has it got is it a millipede? Is it a centipede? Is it a cheese log or is it a wood louse? You know, is it a violet beetle? Is it a door beetle? And uh, butterflies, butterflies, moths, bats. I love bats. Yeah, I lo oh no, just yeah, all of <laughs> everything. them. Everything. Everything. <laughs> just beautiful. Yeah, all of them. Crocodiles, not so much, but yeah. I'm sure somebody's Absolutely. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people really love them my half my family are from Florida so they're a big thing over there um I'm not sure how many people love them over there yeah. probably more they're just more of an, 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 an irritant over there snatching dogs and and whatnot but you know um <laughs> they are yeah. beautiful in their own ways aren't they <laughs> how about you so yeah I think definitely for me it'd be a big one is moths is just oh, 
they're just amazing and the different colors that they are and the fact that so many of them are seasonal and they've got such um they can have such different life cycles as well and they can look so different oh I just think they're incredible and it was something that I'd never even paid any attention to until I started working here on a nature reserve and we did a moth daily moth trap otherwise I would never have even thought about moths or how incredible they could be that's my my big thing and I'm trying to get good at all those indicator species are so important aren't they yeah because they tell us so much about the whole ecosystem and what's going on in our area you know you can look and there can be flowers and there can be trees but if there's no insects and then there's no birds and yeah everything's got to lead to to another thing hasn't it so everything's so connected that you've got to you've got to have all these little things to have the bigger things so what other tips do you have for um, things that you would do to strengthen your mental health? So that can include things related to nature or maybe not, just some little tips that you might be able to share. Um, I think I mentioned already about having a sit spot. So I find that really, really helpful. It just helps to connect me with the space outside every day, um, going out and just having a few minutes to myself, especially if you've got family commitments or you're really busy it's just nice to step out just for a few minutes and have a few minutes to yourself sit and just kind of land in the day just see what your mind throws at you and notice what's different in your outside space um you don't even have to have a garden to do this I know people you know will just sit and look out the window for five minutes you know just yeah just take a few minutes to appreciate what's out there um I'd say if you can enjoy it with a friend as well I think that's really powerful. Um, I've got friends who are particularly passionate about different things in nature. So, you know, I'll meet one of them to go for a bat walk or I'll meet one of them to go and take pictures outside or, you know, one of them to just go and feed the ducks or one, you know, to go and take the kids tree climbing. And, you know, so it's finding people that are passionate about different things outside that you are that you can kind of go do you know what I'm thinking about you let's go and do something in nature and build another memory together um and yeah kind of creating that sense of space and appreciating everything that's around you um and then you notice as well if things change you know like if they're planning to chop trees down or they're planning to build in a space that's important if you don't go out and walk there and you don't know what's there then you won't notice and you know we all know people are chopping down you know two three hundred year old trees to build houses that are only going to last kind of 60 years top so it's yeah it's really important to be connected to what's outside your front door as well Um, you can do things sometimes go litter picking which is really really good way as well um, of getting they've got a special name for it haven't they where you litter pick and I think people jog I don't jog um but they yeah they litter yeah. pick and jog at the same time um it's but like just going out or something flogging yeah yeah um yeah you know it's that's again it's really good and you just notice t- smaller things you tend to notice then like lichen and you know smaller plants or yeah Sounds like it's a good thing to say as well that if you can to maybe take somebody with you um we were speaking to somebody a few weeks back and, and it, it sort of put something into my head is that they didn't like to go out into nature on their own because they didn't feel safe um, yeah. because they hadn't grown up around nature which is something that's you know that might be the same for anybody 
but you can still enjoy that space. You just maybe take somebody with you or maybe only go to a certain place, um, you know, pick your favorite spot. Like you said, find yourself a nice spot that you do feel safe and that you can appreciate what you're doing, which I think is a really point. We always laugh with the kids, um, always say, oh, look, it's another negative story about how dangerous, you know, it is to be in the woods or the world. You know, it's the deep, dark woods and the dangerous this and the, and the other. And, you know, both the kids are like, no, it's lovely. Um, and they're not dangerous. You know, you're not going to be, you know, you have to be pretty unlucky for something bad to happen to you. But a lot of energy goes into kind of discouraging people from exploring and you know, there's always this thing that you're going to be attacked or savaged or, you know, get lost or but it's actually quite hard to do. Um, but people are, yeah, people are scared. Yeah. Um, another thing with that, you can volunteer. Um, so lots of the volunteer groups, you know, they still need people to help maintain different green spaces. Um, and that's another really great way of building community um, and getting to know new people and yeah getting fitter you get the social aspects yeah. you get the learning and you get the physical benefits as well as just being out in nature so yeah that's a really nice point is that yeah. if you can find a volunteer group that works it can be great there was a study um of some people so a lady did a gym class and then another lady oh she then did some community volunteering outdoors and she thought she'd burnt more calories at the gym but actually she'd burnt twice as many out doing the um, community volunteering work. Um, and she had greater well-being as well, a sense of well-being because she was outside. So you kind of work harder without realizing. Yeah, it's really interesting. That sounds great. That's the there you go. Birth that's the perfect. Perfect is the best of both worlds. You burning more calories and you're being social and getting the well-being benefits. So there you go. That's what you gotta do. So my next question is the tricky one. It's the one that that it makes you think about all the things that you've ever seen and done. But um, if you could choose just one aspect or event or experience out in nature, what would that be? I think, I, yeah, the bat migration in Zambia and Kasanka, especially I read an article the other day saying the bats are in real problems there. Um, there's more and more deforestation. I think Zambia's got the highest deforestation in Africa, which is, yeah, pretty soul destroying um but i yeah i wish i'd gone before but that's definitely on my bucket list to just go and watch i guess it's like the butterflies in south america and you know the wildebeest and things in the serengeti um i'd love to go and see the bat migration in zambia up in kasanka that would be a dream apparently you lie and the sky just goes black um but for minutes it lasts for minutes um just kind of blocks out the sun and stuff just yeah just incredible to have that awesome scale of nature and lots of much wildlife as you could possibly have all at once that's <laughs> that's yeah. that good doesn't it <laughs> how about you oh do you know what it isn't uh, that's nobody's actually asked me that yet that's a good point um no. oh do you know what I think it would be? I think it would be taking yourself to a, your favourite place, just anywhere. It could be anywhere, as long as it's outside and has some sort of nature around. Um, and just watching, just sitting there and watching maybe one thing, maybe multiple things, if you can find something to watch. 
and just follow it around or just sit there and and see what it gets up to I've got a behaviorist background so my my I'm a I'm a good observer <laughs> a good plonking and watching so I think that would be it for me I would probably love to watch my favorite animals and manatees so if I could go and be in some nice tropical place where, where manatees will be and and in the nice crystal clear waters with them and just watching them go about their everyday life that would be perfect for me yeah that does sound awesome they're the origin of mermaids aren't they I think yeah which when you look at them you think not really sure how much they'd had to drink but um they are I think they're beautiful in my eyes they're just in a different way yeah Yeah. (laughs) nice and curvy yeah and they're just they're just peaceful and docile and they just float around there's nothing harmful about them (laughs) oh well that is all my questions for you have you got anything else that you'd like to add as as linking people with nature I'm really excited about 2021. Um, I think so many people spent time outside this year Mm. that I think there's a new appreciation for seasonality. um, And I think I think 2021 will be a really great year, um, hopefully for people getting involved with nature really locally, but also more nationally. and yeah hopefully getting involved there seems to be a bit more on the rewilding agenda um lots of councils seem to be taking the climate crisis a bit more seriously than maybe they were a few months ago um even though they'd pledged to do different things you know there's very little action but seems to be in the last few months i don't know if it's related you know the public is becoming more aware so i think there will be a lot more kind of local and national movement to yeah try and rewild try and get some of our meadows back you know we've lost 97 percent of our meadows wildflower meadows we need yeah, it's not just about planting a few trees but i think yeah i think 2021 is going to be the year for it yeah let's hope so let's bring get back biodiversity and, <laughs> yeah yeah completely um and grow some food and mm. share some food and yes yeah yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, let's hope. It, it's got to be better than 2020 anyway, hasn't it? The one thing that comes out of it, well, exactly. The one thing to come out of it is that people are more connected to nature and we follow it through. And yeah, hopefully we'll all just be so happy that 2020 is finally over, that we can enjoy 2021 and yeah, focus on nature. That'd be great for us. This time last year, we had no idea, did we? We were all, everyone was just starting to hear about things happening in China and yeah. We thought that would never affect us. And then here we are <laughs> a whole year later. Yes, because we're all linked, aren't we? It's that thing again. There you go. All connected. No matter how far away we think we are, we are very quickly connected, aren't we? It's like the, is it the five degrees of separation or whatever they say, whatever it is? Yeah. We're not far. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so, so much for for agreeing to, well, you share quite um a specific insight because not only are you sharing a personal story but you you are sharing your professional side of things as well um through your stories pushing people towards being connected with nature and that and I think it's a nice outlook that you've got of the two for, for this podcast it's perfect thank you yeah no I've really enjoyed it so 
also a massive thank you to Charlotte for sharing her story with us. And if you guys would like to find out about all the things that she's involved in, I'll add some links in our description. And if any of you have got a story that you would like to share with us, our email's in the description also. Now, go and find yourself some nature. Bye-bye.